There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Indie Football Podcast in association with Courtyard by Marriott. This week we are recording on location in Munich and we are going to be talking about this season's Bundesliga, Bayern Munich and also Jadon Sancho's current situation at Dortmund in a German football-themed special. I'm joined by Miguel Delaney and Tony Evans. Lads, what have you made of Germany so far? Great place. Been here a few times. Colder. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, I was surprised that uh, the beer hall shut so early, but we found a variety of places and made up for it. Yeah. That, mean, that's true, actually. For, you know, for... For a city like Munich to fancy itself as a, a beer, a beer, well, a beer festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was difficult to find a, a proper beer hall after 11. Yeah. We're 30 seconds in, can we not tear into Munich? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no way. I mean, it is a great city. No, no, it's, it's, it's worth going. I mean, and, you know, I think it, it's really inconvenient that buying kicked off so late against Leverkusen. And that meant that by the time we got back into town and we're looking for a beer, all they were all shutting. So I would say to anyone who's going, and, and obviously stay at the courtyard by Marriott, um, go over to Munich and go for a game that kicks off early. So you have you can, you can experience all of its delights. And Bayern, I was going to say sensationally lost. I guess it's not that sensational because they've not been playing particularly well. Lost to Leverkusen. We're going to come on to that a bit later. But we're going to start by discussing uh, Sancho's situation at Dortmund, as you've both interviewed him. And also, Miguel, it was yourself who, who had the story that Dortmund would be open to perhaps moving him on in January. So do you want to start by maybe just recapping that story and explaining how his situation is broken down, considering that he was playing so well and it was all going, it was all going so brilliantly? Yeah, and look, it was basically almost became an example to follow for so many young English players in that way. Um but and while that remains true, and still so many see the Bundesliga as an opportunity, perhaps some of the reasons that Sancho came to Dortmund in the in the first place are potentially causing his exit, which may be a certain agitation about, or maybe a little impatience that we saw at Manchester City, particularly from people around him, um, that is now kind of forcing his hand at Dortmund. Dortmund have been furious at what they see as a as a player trying to push his way out this January, especially since there's always been an agreement there that if they get the right offer in the future, they won't stand in his way, but preferably not mid-season. But it's kind of led to this gradual breakdown in relations. Uh, and I think they've also been irritated at the players, you know, perceived ill-discipline, turning up late for meetings, for training. Um, and suddenly, it having been so rosy and such an example, it doesn't look that great. Tony, you've spent some time with Sancho. What did you make of him and what sort of character did you find him to be? And are you a little bit surprised at these stories that he's been kind of acting up? Well, not really. I mean, because when you deal with him one-on-one, he's he's very good. He's very focused, very articulate. And, you know, you can't help liking him. But uh, he, he's surrounded by people who uh, perhaps uh, see his tr- career trajectory that needs to go a little bit faster than probably is sensible. So he's, he, you know, he's, um, he, he, he's, he's not difficult to, 
that difficult to deal with as an individual. But people round him, are, mm. and uh, Man City, you know, definitely felt that, and you couldn't wait to see the back of him in many ways. And um, and you know, when when his commitments and his discipline slips. He's, there's no one around him to get a grip of him and say sort yourself out, and um, and and that that will be a concern to any Premier League team that's looking at bringing him in because he's going to cost a lot of money, and you know what, what what's he thinking next? You know will will he be thinking his next moves Real Madrid two steps ahead mm. of actually a, a time he should be thinking about that? Do you, either of you think that he's essentially played his hand a little bit too early? Because I mean. He's at a Champions League club. He's arguably their star player. He's playing playing regularly for them and, and and scoring goals. And it would appear that he's still got some more developing to do there. Do we think he's kind of rushed this play to get back to the Premier League and and, and become a star player somewhere else? Totally. And it's if it's if they've kind of been they've become excited by the interest and the talk of the fee from like clubs like United. When as Tony says, I mean just why not wait a bit just mm. let yourself develop let, yourself, let your career breathe a bit there's, there's no rush in that sense um, and like what a while I, you know I wouldn't generally say that you know <laughs> young players like that should kind of quote know their place right or not, not seek to better themselves do at the kind of a fair pace maybe mm. uh, and, and that's, that's the thing it just feels like and if he's if he's leaping around so much at this age it, it actually could be more harmful to his, de- to his development yeah, I mean, clubs will look at him and go, you know, is it worth it? Is he going to come here? Is he going to, you know, be here for half a season and start thinking about another move? Is he going to be trouble? Is he going to be? Is he going to disrupt the dressing room? Is he going to, you know, show late? And once they start thinking like that about you, then it limits your options. I mean, for example, he's been linked with Liverpool, but he's certainly. Mm-hmm. It's not the thing that Fenway Sports Group would look upon kindly because they're going to be paying big money, you know, and it's not the sort of thing that Klopp would want to introduce into his dressing room. Well, there's a bit of a kind of a, a precedent here. I'm, I'm not saying that they or their careers are the same, but just in terms of the early jumping around with uh, with Nicholas Nelka. So he left his club, his kind of his, his wealthy club, at a very young age, went to Arsenal. Then was immediately looking to jump to Arsenal from Real Madrid, which should have been the biggest. But then within a year, they were growing agitated with the behaviour, or, or sorry, with the people around him who wanted to move out. And he was at PSG, and it, it did probably stunt him. But we, I mean, it took Anelka a long time to finally settle a bit and make the best of his talent when he maybe should have been much more revelation early on. Not to say that's going to happen to Sancho or or there anything like the same sort of figure or anything like that. But it is maybe just something to think about and like already it feels like a little bit in this if you look at it from an international perspective that Rashford has now jumped ahead of Sancho again in, in the mm. England order well again on the pitch you know Rashford gives you much more discipline uh, you know and sometimes you know it, 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 it makes him look bad he subverts his own game for the team which you're never going to get from Sancho but I mean managers love players who, who do that who'll work for the side and don't look so good you know um, or as good as they, they should look so I mean I think you know if you're going to offer any advice to Sancho you'd say slow down a little bit you know because he is an extremely talented player and his potential is massive and if you know if he if he develops at the right pace and gets the right reputation he'll he'll go to the very top obviously everyone's been going crazy and and just about every english club with the kind of necessary finances has been linked to him but tony what do you think would be a kind of sensible next move for him which club could you see him you know particularly flourishing at 
Well, I mean, the, the club he like rarely flourish at would be Liverpool, but I can't see that happening. Uh, you know, City wouldn't have him back. Mm. You know, mm. in a million years, uh, you know, United. They think he's a bit too good for United. Well, his people. Yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah, yeah. So that leaves but, what two? <laughs> but having said that, there might not be many other people in for him. Mm. Yeah. Not at the price. Not at the. Um, not with the baggage he brings with him. How much would you? say he's currently worth. I mean, we have just seen that a player such as Wilfred Zaha, who's 27, is valued somewhere between 80 and 100 million by Crystal Palace. Um, is is Sancho kind of a lot more than that? Or, or given his situation at Dortmund and given the way he's kind of burnt some bridges um, and perhaps even his reputation, does that kind of like rein in his price a little bit? Well, so Palace is because you're buying off an English club and there's, they have that much more money. Uh, I suppose the thing with Sancho is that and what it's it's something that's become a trend in the market now in that you're not just paying for the player now, but you're paying for the next few years of his career, and mm-hmm. that's why it will be around a hundred million. And that, that's what actually just become a real theme in the last. I mean, if you if you remember at the turn of the millennium when the kind of transfer um, records that get broken a lot in Italy, but it was always for like twenty eight, twenty nine year olds. In fact, twice in a row the the world transfer record was for basically players kind of just past their prime, maybe in Figo and Zidane, mm. and that's completely flipped in the last in the last two decades. Miguel, uh, you wrote a piece midway through last season on why German clubs are so interested in in young English players like Sancho. Do you think this is still the case, or do you think that Sancho pushing for a move back to the Premier League kind of so early into his career there? perhaps proves that young English players might only see these clubs as, as a stepping stone, essentially, and not as a kind of permanent destination. No, because it, it, it's, it's still the case, because it's still just kind of, ultimately, it corrects an imbalance in the market, which is essentially that German clubs aren't as wealthy as English clubs, but English clubs being so wealthy means they don't create enough space for their own graduates and their teams, which means all these talented young players have nowhere to go. For a few, it's meant that they actually never quite make it in the way they should mm. because they don't get the football and just keep playing academy football for so long. But a lot of agents are starting to wise up to this and realise they need to send their players somewhere where they'll play, which is why it's uh, so many are going to Germany. And I think that will continue. Yeah, and you know, it's um, and it works for the Bundesliga clubs as well because you know you take someone for a couple of years, they come relatively cheap, and then you sell them back and you make yeah. a hefty profit. So I mean, for all Dortmund's complaints about uh, Sancho and and the way he's acting and the way you know the people around him are behaving, I mean, uh, they'll come out of it. Feeling pretty good about themselves yeah. with a, a a rather large wad of money. The, the other side to that as well is that um, basically German football, like, because of the way its coaching structures have developed over the past two, like, in, in their big das reboot. But the complaint is they actually they're only really producing these ultra technically sound universal midfielders. Almost, they can play in any position, but there's not much kind of spark or. It's something different about them, whereas England is actually producing an abundance now of uh, wing forwards or wide players who have that, uh, I think it was one coach explained to me, who are brilliant in these kind of one-on-one situations mm-hmm. and that one-on-one training. And so Germany is desperate for that sort of player to kind of enliven their league. It's funny because, I mean, you, you look back at like, what, six, seven years ago when, you know, Joe Allen was almost a template for the yeah. academy midfielder. You know, they all did the same. They were all neat on the ball, didn't waste it. Pass completion, you know, and all that sort of thing. And Germany's turning out players like that now. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, and, and it, it's flipped over here. People have, you know, uh, there's a premium on running at defenders and... And, and so, obviously, they're desperate for that. Yeah. Last question for the break. It's a bit nebulous, but do you think that the fact that more young British players are looking for opportunities 
further afield. Do you think that reflects well on the state of English and British football? Or is that actually a negative that these young players aren't getting any kind of chance in domestic leagues and then will only come back over if they get bought for a kind of ludicrous amount of money? It's a bit of both, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a credit now to English coaching, which has, to a large extent, sorted itself out after so many crises of... Uh, and so, you know, so so many of these tournaments where it felt like this was the, the major issue to solve. That has something, that is something that's been fixed. But then also it points to the fact that the Premier League isn't really an English league in that sense, and doesn't really have much interest in developing English talent because it's just about these kind of international franchises almost. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it tells you that talent always finds a way. You know, for we we went you know a number of years saying, oh, you know. You know the next generation English players; they won't get in the team because of all the foreigners, and you know it'll kill English football. But you know, th- there's a route right around it, and um, you know, so I mean, so it's a positive in that way. People are getting the chances, and um, and you know, they they will flourish, and if they're good enough, come back to the Premier mm. League. Um, it might not be the ideal situation economically because obviously, like uh, City would rather produce Phil Foden come through the academy and. Then go and pay big money for a foreign player, but you know now they're in a situation where they might well be paying big money for an English player who who've sort of slipped through the fingers. But at least, at least the the British players, the players from the academies who would have otherwise fizzled out by playing too much, you know, um, academy football and then reserve football. At least they're getting the opportunity mm. and they they're developing. Okay, time for a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be back in the studio in the UK and we're going to be talking a bit more about Bayern Munich and the exploits of German clubs in the Champions League this season. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast in association with Courtyard by Marriott. Well, we've now checked out. Uh, we're back in the UK and we're going to be talking a bit more about Bayern Munich, who are enduring a very difficult season, actually. Uh, they're well off the pace in the Bundesliga, despite having a 100% record in the Champions League and despite beating Tottenham Hotspur in their final group game. They obviously sat their manager, Nico Kovac, earlier in the season. Uh, Miguel, do you have any idea what has been going on behind the uh, scenes there and why they're kind of so far from, from their best? Well, there has been a little bit of talk about how... This is a club that essentially needs an upgrade, not just in the team, but also behind the scenes. That I mean, I was talking to actually someone from Germany in the summer who was saying that Hunus and Rummenigge and that old band, basically, they still... I mean, the goal is for Bayern to be a global super club, and they're close to that in terms of... And in many ways, they are due to the resources but they still behave as if they're almost kind of a regional club, that they're a little bit out of step in that sense. Mm. And there is an irony because in the late 70s, when that old group of players first took power, like Hunas went to... They were, they were really ahead of the game in the way Hunas went to San Francisco, you know, took loads of lessons off American football, and they did streak ahead of it in kind of commercialism then. But they have been left behind by particularly the English clubs, even the Spanish clubs, and now maybe a club like Juventus. Um, so I think... There has been a stagnation there 
that's fed into the team. Uh, and and as well as that, that's pretty a stagnation that's compounded by the fact that, that they've now won, what, eight titles in a row, or is it seven or eight? Um, it barely matters at this point. It's, it's, it becomes so ridiculous. I think they won, they won a 10 clubs in Europe on a run like that, um, which is a bit worrying. Mm. But yeah, it I, I just feels they need uh, an all-round refresh. Mm. Well, and, and what's strange is, you know, even recently, within you know the last five years, that clubs, Premier League clubs, were looking at them saying, "No, this is a model that we should, mm. you know, we should copy." I mean, Man City had great hopes that Vieira would uh, develop into uh, an executive, mm. you know, in the the Bayern Munich fashion, you know, and um, and you know, it never worked out from from that way. But you know, it's uh, clearly the, the, it's just got stale. You know, the people who are yeah. running the club have been there too long, and it probably needs a fresh. A fresh approach, some you know, some new ideas, mm. and um, you know, because I mean, they, they they are one of the super clubs, yeah. But they, they, you know, everything they do is looks a little small time. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and that's probably you know compounded by the fact that it, they they look like such a massive satellite in that league as well. I mean, even though it's one of the biggest leagues in the world, mm. just they, yeah, it has that that structural problem where one club is so much bigger than everyone else, which kind of you know, causes damage to both. Mm. Uh, in, in relation to kind of the uh, the leadership, uh, the loss of Samer was said to be quite big because he actually at least offered an alternative voice and a different way of thinking, uh, having come from Dortmund. Mm. Um, but and, and they've lost that. What sort of manager do they need? I mean, they've obviously left it quite a long time now with a kind of interim coach See, in charge. This is actually the way, and this almost points to why all the talk of their philosophy and approach is a little bit superficial. Mm. Because they appointed Guardiola. I mean, and if you listen to the way people like Brightner were talking about how the, the plan there, you know, Van Gaal brought in a certain style of football, uh, then then we tried to upgrade that. And they, as if, a little bit like Man City, the natural end point was Guardiola, and he was going to be the template for all managers thereafter. And yet since Guardiola's left, they haven't, they haven't appointed a single manager who's in that mould. I mean, Ancelotti was kind of like, 10 years out of date by that point and just worked in a totally different way to Guardiola to, uh, to the extent that all the players felt like that he was light years behind the way he coached. Then they brought in Kovac who's kind of just doesn't even really play that sort of football. Um, and now, so, I mean, I think one, one of the very business words that was used when Guardiola came in was that he was going to upskill everyone around him. Uh, but that hasn't really happened there. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it'll be interesting to see again some ways that well who knows how far down the line be if, if City and Guardiola per company what they'll do next but it's it's very difficult mm. to actually get a manager and say alright this is the way forward we're going to have people like him and this is this is our vision for the future because I mean the bottom line is there aren't any other Guardiolas out there yeah yeah Tony we uh, we obviously watched Munich lose at home to Leverkusen they'd since lost to Mönchengladbach what did you make of that kind of Leverkusen performance? Because they were really underwhelming, weren't they? Oh, both sides were dreadful. Um, well, actually, they weren't dreadful. I mean, the thing about Bayern, Bayern passed the ball really crisply and and got forward. But they, um, they, they were very, very wasteful in front of goal and they could not defend to save their mm. lives. I mean, it was one of the... From both sides, I was, I was a bit shocked, really, how disorganised the defences were. I mean, simple, really simple mistakes. And, and you, know, like, you know, like holding your shape, people mm. were getting sucked out of position left, right and centre. And you expect more from Bayern. Um, you know, the midfielders weren't tra- tracking back covering. Um, 
you know, and 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 in front of goal, they they were they were sloppy. You know, there's like lots of lazy finishing, and um, and in the end, Leverkusen were worth the victory. But you know, if you think to yourself, you know, these these are two, you know, top teams in the, the Bundesliga. Mm. The overall standard on a week to week must be, you know, it must be awful. It's kind of shocking how they're at like an elite level team. And they've got hardly any defenders. They've got it, Davis kind of flying forward on one flank, Pavard on the other. Martinez is a midfielder kind of filling in at, at centre-back. They're, they're, they're not very solid at all. They were so easy to get at. Was, and yeah, it, it just points to this kind of almost half-thought-about structure in that they've got, they've got you know, some of the, say, Guardiola approach, but it's just it's half-implemented. Mm. Despite their troubles, they're still going very well in the Champions League. Only team, I think, this season to win all of their games. In a weak group, in a bit of a kind of tumultuous group and I mean the first of all they played a Spurs who were at that point weeks from sacking their own manager mm-hmm. and then play a Spurs who have already qualified so mm. it's a bit how, how far do you think they can actually go in that in that competition there the only thing you would say in from that perspective is that the group stage means nothing to what's going to come really mm. and also the Champions League because it's, it's because ultimately Cup if the most prestigious one with a, with a bit of luck and a bit of a run you can suddenly find yourself right in contention uh, and then it's it's prone to kind of these huge changes that can happen between now and February where if they do get the right manager in that time um, but in saying all that so well, I think they have a chance if it goes according to form and quality no, I think quarterfinalists at best you, would, you wouldn't be too irritated if you're a a runner-up getting them as a top seed, I think. Mm. I, I, I mean, they've got the look of a team that goes out in the knockout round to me. You know, I mean, it's it's Liverpool, you know, murdered them in uh, yeah. Munich last year, and you just fear, fear for Bayern if if they, you know, if they were matched up again because the you know the lack of pace at the back as well, the lack of the lack of pace and the mm. the inability to use space to cover up. A lack of pace yeah. is was just uh, 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 shocking, really. Trying to find a positive, do we think that the Bundesliga perhaps needs Munich to have an off season or, or to be bad for a little while just to introduce some sort of excitement? Back? Well, that, that was what was so depressing about last season. There, I mean, Bayern already the signs of this were already there. They looked off for the season, and yet still they kind of just almost won the title by default because mm. Dortmund just collapsed. So yeah, and I, I just and it's even if any one title winner like say Monaco in 2017 with, with in France is just an aberration that doesn't take away from the grander problems it's still just healthier for any competition to have more winners it'd be especially great for a team like Mönchengladbach to, yeah, to win exactly. the league and especially Sarah, after the game the other day where they got battered uh, they were 1-0 down and somehow 1-2-1 yeah. with about two shots on time yeah and certainly better than if Raspel and Leipzig won it okay thank you sadly that is all we've got time for this week be sure to follow Indie Football on social media to keep up to date with everything going on this podcast was brought to you in association with Courtyard by Marriott the official hotel partner for FC Bayern our listeners also have the chance to access the suite and other unique experiences by becoming a Marriott Bonvoy member the new name of Marriott's travel loyalty programme go to their website to find out more and if you're a new listener to our podcast please subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify acast or wherever you listen and we'll see you next week goodbye
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.